Before we get started, a special thank you is in order to our friends over at Stanley Customs. Stanley Customs creates amazing custom sports figurines for all you athletes out there. Right now, our listeners will get 15% off their order and all interviewees will get 25% off of their order simply by going to Stanley underscore Customs on Instagram and telling them that Globally Ballin sent you. Thank you. Hey everyone, and thank you for joining us and welcome back to the Globally Ballin podcast. We appreciate your support and have a special interview and episode for you today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy learning about sports and opportunities around the world. Here comes the music. I gotta let you go. He goes, I'll give you, I'll give you seven hundred fifty thousand a year to sign with us without right even now. showing off. He goes, don't even walk over to the field. Because <laughs> I had no, no idea that my passport was even expired. Let me tell you, I sent out six thousand emails. Young man, how do you use a celebrity for good? You know, up until that point. Most of us, as, as athletes, were taught how to use the celebrity to manipulate, to get a girl, to get famous, to get whatever it is. Had a couple guys get robbed at gunpoint, um, and one of them was just like, "Yay, yeah, get me out. Actually broke my neck. I was paralyzed from the waist down, and I was never supposed to walk again, much less be able to play football again. We're hours away from kind of the nearest hospital. He ended up losing his leg over it. Finished the game with a broken hand. Yeah, finished the game with. I'm Rio 2016 silver medalist and Asian Games 2018 gold medalist. I don't think a lot of people know the opportunities there are actually to play overseas, especially in the women's category. There are some who would still keep their nine to five jobs because the pay for being an athlete isn't enough don't complain when we look like idiots abroad in these big tournaments. What league or country gave you the best pay contract-wise? Probably Turkey my last season. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Globally Ballin' Podcast. This week we're going to look at professional volleyball men's once again. Before we do that, I want to quick look at, at least refresh your memory now that we have 50 episodes up, the ones that we've done on volleyball in the past. So scrolling through all of them here, remember each episode we look at maybe a different sport, different country, different scenario, but obviously we're going to get repeat sports because there's not an infant number. So starting with episode 11, we actually had one of our most listened to episodes was uh, Angelina Garvacchio, but also known, it goes by Z. She played professional uh, volleyball in the Philippines. And so that's a pretty popular one. That's episode 11. Episode 16 also looks at specifically the developing beach volleyball world, specifically in the Philippines. Episode 16 with Cassie Gormley. And then jumping forward again quite a bit, we get to episode 37 with Zach Melcher, uh, men's professional volleyball playing in the Czech Republic. And that brings us to this episode, episode 51. And we're actually going to, oh, I take that back, episode 42. Uh, adding in episode 42, Courtney Falinski played professional volleyball and her journey was all over the world. And so she has a lot of different countries she got to speak on. That was a good one. If you're interested in that more of a broad look, go to the Courtney Falinski episode, episode 42. Now I think that is it as far as volleyball. Let me quick finish scanning here. And yeah, okay. Out of the 50, those are the ones. And so for this episode, we, we go back to men's professional volleyball. And we are looking at Europe again, Czech Republic. We're going to be talking with Matt August, played professional volleyball in the Czech Republic. So 
full disclosure, I, I obviously know this is this is a, another episode about the same country in a sport we've already done. We've done men's professional volleyball in the Czech Republic with Zach Melcher, and we're doing another one this time. Uh, the reason we did Matt August's episode is it is a little bit different. He's got a different story. And even if it is the same country and the same sport for the same gender, all stories are different. Some people are going to be able to relate to them differently than others and so even though we had Zach Melcher this story is different and you know this story is going to be able to relate to different viewers differently so uh for Matt August now that being said I want to remind you that just because we've done our first two men's professional volleyball episodes were in the Czech Republic this is not the only place where there's men's professional volleyball just to Essentially, if you can dream it, they have men's professional volleyball all over the United or all over the world. Sorry, all over the world, uh, Central America, South America, Europe. Obviously, having two uh, two episodes in Europe so far, and Asia, all over the world, you're getting these different leagues. Some of the strongest ones we've heard tell of, like the Italian league, the Polish league, the Brazilian league. These are some of the really high-end ones, and females have a ridiculous number of options as well. And so we talked about it with Zach, and you're going to hear about it a little bit more in this episode, is, I don't know if this is a word, the regionality. I might have invented a word. The regionality of professional volleyball in the United States. I'm in the Midwest. Men's professional volleyball is a foreign thing for me uh, up until maybe a year ago when I really started to dive into this. It was a foreign thing for me. No idea about it. And, and especially about the opportunities, no idea. However, Zach, our previous episode, Zach Melcher and Matt August are from roughly the same, at least area of the country. And so this is something they were exposed to earlier on. And so it's not as foreign for them. Now the United States is huge, but because of that, you may be on one part of the country, you may be down in South Carolina and have no idea about men's professional volleyball. And, and that's because, obviously, it's not big where you are. But that doesn't mean it's not out there. And so that's why we do an episode like this, again, is looking at all of those different opportunities, taking a specific look, looking with Matt August's story, and specifically looking at those opportunities. But that's also why I want to take a brief second and just remind you that it's more than the, just the Czech Republic. There are countries dotted all over this world that have opportunities for men and women playing professional volleyball. That being said, we're going to dive into the story and interview with Matt August, professional volleyball in the Czech Republic. Enjoy. But before that, a couple of quick reminders on where you can find more about the Globally Balling podcast and more of the projects we've done. First, the website, best place to go www.globallyballing.com. That is where you will find everything that you need and everything that you don't need. Everything is there, www.globallyballing.com. In addition, social media, you can find us at facebook.com slash globallyballing. If you're in the Southeast Asia area, we actually have another page, facebook.com slash globallyballing, S-E-A for Southeast Asia. You can find us at Twitter at globallyballing at Instagram, at Official, And finally, you can find us at patreon.com slash globallyballin. A quick note for the Patreon page, there's just a ton of things on there uh, from extra content, early content, ad-free content, to people looking to potentially sponsor and set up advertisements on the show. Uh, there's different tiers that might be perfect for you. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to it on wherever you listen. Uh, a rating and a review would be very much appreciated and help us grow and help us uh, expand the show to all reaches 
of the world, getting more stories and more uh, insight for all of you as much as possible. If you have any suggestions for the show, critiques or anything, people maybe you want to hear from on the show, a sport you want represented, a country or whatever it is, send us a message on any of those platforms. That's the best way to get a hold of us. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want. Those are the best ways to get your suggestions to us so we can try to customize these episodes for you, the listener, as best as possible. That being said, enjoy the show and the interview. This episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Creating Young Minds. Creating Young Minds is a nonprofit out of Louisville, Texas, brought to you by Dr. Shira Ackerman and Coach Mathis Crowder. Creating Young Minds strives to bring success to the lives of young men in ways in which they may have not reached that success otherwise. One of the ways in which they do this is through their professional basketball team, the Louisville Yellow Jackets, who play in TBL or the Basketball League. Make sure you go check out Creating Young Minds on all major platforms, including Facebook and LinkedIn. I encourage you to dive more into the mission of Creating Young Minds as they strive to bring the European model of basketball to the United States. Thank you. Hello. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Good. How are you? Doing really well. Good, and thanks for reaching out. I'm, I, we're happy to have you on and have a, another volleyball story. They don't—they're uh, few and far between. So um, yeah. whenever we can get one on, they're always very nice. So we're fairly backed up episode-wise. So what we're gonna do with this one is we are going to put it on the Patreon for now when we're done, and then when time permits, we're gonna throw it on the actual stream if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That works. All right, sweet. So why don't we have you start off, introduce who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Matthew August, professional volleyball player from the United States. I play professionally in Brno, Czech Republic. Where did you get your start in volleyball? I got my start kind of late, you know, in sense of volleyball, like starting age. I started when I was 14. My my aunt played in college and I always grew up watching my cousins play and I never really wanted to, to start playing, but then she just kind of was like, you need to try this at least once. And I was I was like okay and then since then i fell in love with it and she kind of took me under her wing and gave me a lot of private lessons and it just kind of grew from there so you were introduced to men playing professional volleyball what area of the country would that have been then i was in um so i started playing in grew up in southern california orange county so you know i've been i got kind of introduced from there and then i didn't realize how big it could be you know growing up and then call it in the university level and then overseas as well so yeah when we talked with zach melcher who that was the other episode with men's professional volleyball. We mentioned that it is regional. I mean, there are plenty of people out here in the Midwest with me that have no idea about men's volleyball professionally, for sure. But uh, even like at a high school level, it's not really right. an option. So in your area, was it an option then in high school? Yes, uh, it's really big in, in Southern Orange County. Um, almost every high school down in this area has um, high school men's boys volleyball and so just yeah being regionally located in a great spot to pick up the sport and be able to pursue it as a full-time thing it, it was um, it was really really awesome when you went to school what was your look at volleyball you know i just at first i was just kind of just there and i was just kind of just trying to do something to kind of pass the time and have something to do you know playing at high school and kind of having you know, make sure I have friends and I have things to, to look forward to, like every day during the week, on weekends, you know, I was able to get those relationships. Okay. And so did you play in college, did you say? I did. So I played, um, my college story is a little interesting. Uh, I played at University of California, Irvine for one year, redshirted and then left, um, but couldn't transfer to another uh, 
D1 school that I wanted to go to until I like I had credits and everything. So I went to a junior college and that was probably the, the most, probably the best idea for me to do because it kind of reignited my, my passion for the sport. And I, that was uh, Irvine Valley College. Okay, so even the junior colleges had the option for volleyball. Not many, but yeah, in Southern California, there are, uh, there are a good amount of, of junior college schools that are, uh, have the, the program. So how long were you at junior college playing? I was there uh, for two seasons in 2016 through 2018. Okay, and so from your, was it four years in school? Did you play all those years? I actually did not. So after my third year, so my second year at uh, the junior college level, I was supposed to transfer to University of Hawaii, and then unfortunate circumstances didn't allow me to with classes not transferring. So I actually did not finish my four-year eligibility. Uh, I went straight to overseas from my third year uh, at junior college. Okay, so uh, what? Well, first of all, what made you want to go to Hawaii after you've been to school for three years? So uh, I was looking to transfer to another, you know, four-year university and to finish out my my eligibility. And that was one of my schools that I originally started talking to when I was getting recruited out of high school. And I think it was just a great fit. I knew a lot of the the guys on the team, and I knew the coach was was great. And so the opportunity presented itself, and I couldn't pass it up. Okay, so instead, the Hawaii thing doesn't work out, so you decide to go out and play professionally. Who originally introduced you to that whole opportunity? So who introduced me was a guy named Matt West. He's He played at Pepperdine, and he was, he's played overseas, played with USA, and he kind of got me introduced to the fact that I could play overseas, that I have the potential and the, the talent to play at that level. And he was able to reach out to contacts that he knew from prior years of overseas, and he got me into he got me into that. So you were not aware high school time? No, I, I had no idea really how big overseas volleyball was during my high school career, for sure. Okay, and so you get introduced in college from somebody who's played there before and kind of has some contacts out there. So I'm assuming that negates the need for an agent year one. Right. So I actually, yeah, I did not have an agent um, this last season because you know, I didn't write I was uh, I was one of those guys that really couldn't get one because I didn't have much film to go off of from college years. So it was all of the people I knew and, and that got me over there. So yeah, no agent. Okay. And so who was in charge of negotiating then? It was just you kind of trying to figure out what a good contract looked like. I mean, how do you figure that out when it's your first year? Yeah, my first, yeah it was kind of, uh, yeah, I was kind of on my own and I had to, you know, go to friends that have played overseas in the past and kind of see if there was a good fit. And, you know, they were able to help me out to find out that it's, it's a good one. And, um, but then just after this last season, I, I have acquired an agent. So the second year contract has been, you know, negotiating was a lot easier. So some of your other friends you said played or at least would give you an idea of what the contract should look like. Where did they play? Where were some of the places they were? Um, places I've, you know, the people I've talked to, uh, they've played in France. One, one of them has played in the Czech Republic in, in the past. Some have played in Italy, uh, Germany. So and those are really high level leagues. So for a first year player going into a like a rookie contract, they said it was it was pretty impressive that I got that the way I did. Did you field any other options or is it basically I'm taking the first one that comes by? No, it was honestly, yeah. For me it was just getting that first contract. I didn't know I didn't care where it was. I just wanted to get my, my foot in the door, kinda of get my name out there and then have that first year under my belt and see what comes for, you know, the the years coming up. All right, so you go to the Czech Republic and play. What team did you say you played for? I played for Volleyball Brno, so in Brno, Czech Republic. Okay, and how many teams were in your league? There were 12 teams in our league. And was it just teams from in the Czech Republic? Yes. Okay, 
did you do any sort of tournaments outside of the country or not? Yeah, we got to, in the, before our season started, we got to go to uh, Austria and play in Innsbruck, which is home to a team that was actually in the, the German league, but they were so close to Germany and the Austrian league wasn't very strong. So they were able to play in the German league. So it was a top level team, one of the best teams in the German league. So that, that league is very strong. So we would go out there and play. And then we got to go to Slovenia um, about midway through the season for a little kind of exhibition tournament after Christmas. So we kind of got our kind of got back to playing and just getting some practice games in before the next part of the season started. So did you play uh, play against Zach while you were there? I did. Yeah, we played against each other uh, four times. So we played twice during regular season and then part of our Czech Cup, which is like the kind of the championship within the Czech League. Uh, we got to play them twice during that, too. So we got to see each other a good amount. How'd that go? It was uh, good. We we went. We won three out of the four. They got the last one on us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I know Zach from from out here and from playing. We knew each other prior to going over there, so it was good to kind of see a familiar face. Oh, I'm sure. How many imports did you have specifically on your team? We actually, I was the only, I was the only foreigner. I was the only import on my whole team, so that was a little, little different for me. Was it all uh, Czech being spoken then, or was there other European language that dominated some of the uh, the other players? No, uh, it was all Czech. There was one guy from Slovakia, but Slovakia and Czech are pretty much the same same country. So um, they spoke the same language, um, but it was mostly in Czech, and then I had to have everything translated to me. And who did that? Was there like a member on the team? Because I would imagine that's an extra step that the team needs to do now is if they're pulling in an American, now they have to have one translator for one guy. That seems inefficient. Right. So I was like, yeah, everyone on my team spoke English. So if I ever need anything, anyone was able to translate. But, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because this team that I played for, the coach doesn't speak English, which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting in the world of professional volleyball overseas because you have so many foreigners moving around within yeah. Europe from all over the world. And the team I've had, I play for has had Americans in the past and they've had players from, you know, South America. And so English kind of has to be the, the native tongue for a lot of teams. And so to have that was pretty interesting. So what did your day-to-day schedule look like then playing professional volleyball? Uh, it was a little different than I anticipated, but it was wake up. You have weights weights and fitness in the morning with a little conditioning. And then depends on the day. Some days we had practice a couple hours later. So, you know, we had time to get some lunch, to relax. And then we had practice. But other days we had this six to seven hour time frame within between weights and our practice at night. So it was a lot of just kind of relaxing not a lot of walking around during the day just because you don't want to get too tired um taking care of my body rehabbing with whatever i can and until practice came at night uh so you know you said not a whole lot of walking around but did you have the opportunity to travel within europe or even outside maybe while you were playing yeah so a little bit um not as much as i would i would hope for just because our schedule is pretty pretty intense and we only had usually sundays off so um, I was able to go within Czech a little bit to like to Prague or to other cities around me. And then um, we had some day, some weeks where we had a whole weekend. So I would go out to Germany or to Austria, but not as much traveling as I would hope. What was your favorite thing you got to visit? Favorite place I got to visit? Munich, for sure. Uh, Germany is beautiful. My uh, my girlfriend actually played in the German league. So we were able to see each other same quite time? a lot. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. And we were pretty close um, considering how big Germany is and where she was. So we were pretty close. So it was really nice. But, you know, I got to go to Germany a lot. And Munich's beautiful. Um, great culture and just amazing just sightseeing and everything. Um, all right. So as far as game atmosphere, how would you 
how would you compare that to your time in college and those other game atmospheres you experienced now going and playing professionally? It was a different world for sure than compared to United States, um, at least where I was. But, you know, they love volleyball everywhere overseas. And, you know, a lot of in a lot of countries, volleyball is the number one sport. So the the fan base and gyms and the the atmosphere was just loud. And, you know, you have a lot of hecklers, you have a lot of drums, air horns. And, you know, so it's a different atmosphere than United States because it's not as big um, right now, at least, you know, it's growing a lot. But it was a different different world for me what would you how would you compare the talent level that you played in professionally versus what you saw in college uh well for me personally what i saw overseas to what my experience in college was you know night and day it's so much more faster overseas play level they're smarter they're you know they're more it's just a lot quicker than what i was in especially just coming from a junior college like the level is not that great but but i mean Everywhere you go overseas, you're going to get better players and smarter players. And um, and just the level, just the quickness of the game just like multiplies every time you step on the court. So you were able to go professionally after you played three years at school, two of which mm-hmm. two of which were at junior college, right? Not one, two? Yeah, two seasons okay. at junior college. Okay, so three years in college, two were at junior college. I mean, you didn't even do four years at like Division One or anything like that. Does that tell us anything about the level overseas or... Or not? Are we looking too much into it? I think you know it's 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 interesting because there there are a lot of great players um, and junior college level. A lot of them, you know, just have trouble with the D one life. And you know, I had the D one life for one year at UC Irvine. I never played, but I was you know I was on that team with a bunch of great players. And then circumstances just kind of happen, and a lot of guys they can't make the grades, so they go play junior college where it's a little lighter, the workload's lighter. So you know, it's I humble myself because not a lot of players can say they go professionally overseas without playing at a division one you know big school but it's just you know it's junior college level surprised me just because there are a lot of players that could be playing d1 they just some things just like don't work out and they can't handle it or something Hmm. as far as the other leagues that were available in let's stick with europe at least Mm -hmm. where did czech republic compare they're definitely and they're probably the top 10 within Europe. I, I would say they're around, the league's probably around seventh or eighth uh, over there. Uh, but you get, yeah, I mean, we played the team in the German league and you can just kind of, you can just quickly tell the difference. There are a lot of older players and, but just, it's definitely up there, but there's way better, way, way better leagues that are more competitive, a lot more difficult. Uh, Italy's probably the best country in the world for overseas volleyball. And there's teams that are, you know, last place in that in the Italian league, but they have members of, you know, national team members from all over the world. And it's it's crazy to think that, you know, these this team has so many national team level players that they're on the bottom of the league in Italy just because that's how strong it is over there. You know, you had a little bit of time in between practices and stuff like this, and they have huge, strong fan base, at least. Were you mm-hmm. ever recognized when you were outside? I was, just because my city was a little smaller, but um, it was the second biggest city in Czech, so it's it's big. But and where we played and everything, we um, a strong the fan base was really strong, and yeah, I would get recognized a lot. And they knew I was American, so they would try to speak English to me. And they, I would see them, you know, just walking to Starbucks or something or to the grocery store, and I'll get stopped a couple times. Specifically talking about the the fall of sports here in March and February, were you sent, what was your story? Were you sent home randomly? Yeah, so we had a game, I think March, let's see, I think it was March 7th was our last game, and then not even a week later, we have, it was a Thursday, I remember this, it was a Thursday, the day before 
our next game and we have weights in the morning and then while we're at home our coach texts everyone and said all right we're gonna we don't know if we have practice tonight come for a meeting and then before the meeting our season got canceled and pretty much everywhere all over the world like especially for volleyball overseas all the leagues got canceled like right then and there and then i was on a flight home within three days after that when does the league typically start off uh, we start the league starts off in October and then goes till anywhere from April to May, depending on how you do in playoffs. So, have you heard any sort of word about uh, this coming October? So, right now, everything I think is on schedule. Um, I've been talking with my club over there, and they've been, you know, keeping me updated just because I'm the only foreigner on the team. But I know that they are practicing and they're getting some. They're getting able to get in the gym and get some touches in which is kind of, you know, it's hard because I'm going to get there and like everyone's going to be able to be playing and I haven't really touched a ball yet out here. And how does that, their season compare to the seasons, the other seasons in Europe? Do they all kind of start in October? Yeah, everything starts around the same time. And then depends if you're in like a, if you're, it depends if you're in like Champions League or anything within like the CEV, which is the uh, the league the, within Europe and the with around the world kind of leagues that pull best teams from each country that play each other. But yeah, everyone, everything goes from October usually to May. Like we were talking earlier, it's, it men's volleyball can be fairly regional, at least in the country. And where I am and where a lot of other people are, women's volleyball is far and away more popular. What does it right. look like when you're in Europe? Let's go specifically in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. What is the comparison between popularity of men's volleyball versus women's? I would say men's is a little more pop- popular in the Czech Republic. We uh, The women's league is great. We had a team a women's team in our city as well. So we were able to uh, go to their matches and they were able to come to ours and we were able to hang out afterwards and every day. And But I would say more, more popular is men's volleyball in the Czech Republic. Was there any uh, combination or um, sharing of owners between any of the men's and women's teams? Sometimes we get that with leagues that are connected. Yeah, uh, I don't know within, I think there were only maybe one or two teams in the women's league in Czech Republic is kind of connected. And our city, we had... There were two teams in Brno, but one team we shared. Yeah, it was the same president, same club, same gym. Um, our locker rooms were nice, right next to each other. So that was those our, ours were connected. What was and I'm sure your team your team was great in the league and you loved your experience. But maybe what's one thing that maybe wasn't as great as you were hoping or expecting? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> I think more of it coming from just the the mental side of things. Um, I wasn't really prepared to really be on my own out there and especially just because there were no foreigners and the first couple of months like not really knowing my teammates yet and then not really knowing me and I was still trying to figure out this whole like living on my own in a foreign country uh, but I think just that gets to you mentally and that gets you just trying to figure out things to do like by yourself and past time and kind of better yourself within other things outside of volleyball yeah and you can confirm if this is true but i think sometimes when people think and, and listen about these kind of sporting opportunities they confuse travel with play and you know if you go travel to the czech republic you have time to adjust and um you know whatever but you go over there to play volleyball you are being paid to be a professional you better figure it out like you exactly. you have some things that that everyone else has but the difference is you're getting paid so you better figure it out and get out mm-hmm. there and perform. And so exactly. I, I think you would confirm that, yes? Yeah, exactly. Like if you, you know, if you can't put everything together and, you know, play at the level that they're, you know, they're paying you to do, like you, they brought you out here, they flew you out here, they're paying you to, to play for this club. And that's a, a big a big thing in the world of men's volleyball overseas, and especially in women's volleyball as well, is that if you, 
you know, there's a lot of volleyball players um, in the world and especially over in Europe and everywhere. But, you know, there's players lined up. If you're not performing, like you will, they'll let you go and they'll find someone that they can get for either cheaper or that they can, they know that can come in right away and perform better than if you did not perform. So not only performance can be a problem, but outside distractions, going to a new country and things like that. Have you, maybe not anybody personally, but do you know of any situations when a player couldn't handle some of those outside distractions going to a new area? Absolutely. I have, uh, there was a friend that I, uh, he played in Italy for the past two seasons. And then this year he, he went back to the same club, but he just could not handle it. And they, you know, he wasn't performing and he got benched about halfway through the season. And ever since then, he just kind of wasn't up to their standards. And so they sent him home and, you know, there's a lot of stories out there that I just don't know personally, but I know that's happened to quite a few, um, U.S. players for sure. Let's dig into that for just a second because you said he was yeah. in Italy. If he gets mm-hmm. sent home and essentially kicked off the team in Italy, um, even though they're at the since they're at the top of the ladder, could he? Do you think realistically could find another spot in Europe, just maybe a little below Italy? Absolutely. Um, he's a great player. If you're on any Italian team, if you get Italian contracts, for the most part, even if you really don't play, you're to get to that level, to get to that club, and for them to give you a chance absolutely opens so many more doors outside of Italy, which is which is really common. Uh, and you also mentioned when you played against some of those people in Germany or saw some of the people playing in Germany, you said some of them are a lot older. Uh, if you had to guess, I don't know, maybe you have a number. Do you know about how old some of these guys can continue to play professionally? Because obviously different sports, you can continue to play overseas longer than others. Right. I don't know volleyball well, but I – picture volleyball is one of the younger ages that you're probably done right it's it's exactly um i think the biggest thing around there's a lot of players that play for maybe two seasons overseas and their bodies just can't handle it it's um it's a tough world out there and the volleyball is definitely on the younger side of retirement i guess you can say like around 28 29 which isn't very long for professional any professional athlete but um, it's definitely very common in volleyball. All right, so this was year one for you overseas. What insight, what, you know, if you had to give one piece of advice, what would it be to anybody who's playing or um, thinking about playing overseas? Um, just go in with it with an open mind. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. It's not an easy life, especially compared to, you know, professional sports in the United States. You, It's kind of glorified and you know, it's not glorified lifestyle. It's fun and you're, you're living the dream and you're playing the sport you love. But, you know, it's it's a job and you have to know how to handle that. And, but also, like I said earlier, just the mental side of things, you have to be able to put things together and you have to be able to kind of find other resources to make yourself happy outside of volleyball, because that's there's only so much you can kind of have going for you. If, if you're just expecting to love volleyball and volleyball is going to be the best thing out there like you're gonna it's gonna be hard life and most times you're gonna you know you're gonna want to quit and because you have to find other things that can kind of get your mind off of the, the times that if you aren't playing well and if you're playing bad like if volleyball is not there then what else do you have to fall back on so i think the biggest thing is just finding something to you know to spend your time to make yourself better outside of the court and that's interesting because I was actually going to ask the opposite of that. Would you also, though, suggest that if you're going to go play overseas, there needs to be a passion for the sport because it's not as glorified as, like you were saying, it can be? Exactly. Okay. You definitely have to have a passion. Okay. All right. Is there anything else you think um, any either people who know nothing about volleyball or are looking to play overseas need to know? 
I think if you don't know volleyball, just you have to watch it. It's it's a it's a great sport to watch, and I think that's the biggest thing with why volleyball is not as big as it could be. It's just because we have to get it out in front of people, and a lot of people only see it one time, you know, every four years, which is in the Olympics, and that's when they'll you'll see volleyball. But you know, if you want to play volleyball, just watch it, learn. You're gonna to grow to love it, and then if you want to go overseas, just you have to love it, like you said. You have to have that passion because if you don't, then there's a lot. There's nothing really you can do to kind of help get yourself through the time over there. What do you think is holding it back from being less regional and more nationwide? Just because of you know, with with basketball, football, baseball, those are all huge, huge sports and huge corporations that are in the United States, and so that's kind of taken over. Thankfully, boys, boys and men's volleyball is growing rapidly, and it's getting in more high schools. It's getting in more smaller universities, which is great because you know that's all we need. We just need to grow the sport, and hopefully by you know 10 years' time, it could be one of those top sports. Do you think that beaches and beach volleyball has any direct correlation with the popularity of men's volleyball? I believe so. I think you think of men playing volleyball for the most part. You think of sand, and you think of the AVP. And you just think doubles, like, that's definitely a big correlation to the fact of how men's volleyball indoor is not very popular is because you think of volleyball, you think of, like, oh, carts cry, and you play, you think sand. Well, yeah, I mean, and we're looking at some of the places where men's volleyball is popular, and we get California, Hawaii. Do you know, what about Florida? Do you know anything about Florida volleyball? Florida's definitely growing. Um, there's a lot of a lot of players coming out of there recently. No universities, but the high school level is getting stronger, and there are more players coming out of Florida. Okay. But well, yeah, yeah, because then, yeah, then those are places I think of when I think of beaches, and so no universities in Florida. So are are the universities all West Coast that do college volleyball? For the most part, a lot of West, most of the West Coast, and then you'll see a couple couple schools here and there, like Arizona. There's you know Grand Canyon, and then Midwest, like Chicago's a big hub for men men's volleyball uh, recently. A lot of great players coming out of there. More universities starting it. And then, you know, but you're seeing a lot of NAIA NAIA schools adding men's volleyball because they're just, it's growing rapidly and there's more boys wanting to play. And so they have to find different avenues to kind of relocate and have schools participate in men's volleyball. All right, Uh, Matt, I think that's everything we needed. Appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Like I said, this is a story that, you know, men's volleyball is very hidden, Mm -hmm. essentially. So it's good to get it out. I appreciate that. Let's talk safety real quick was there ever a time when you felt what how would you kind of consider the safety while you're in czech republic i'd know yeah it was i felt great i felt fine i was never really con, never really worried about you know myself getting in trouble or getting you know hurt in any way outside of <laughs> the czech republic uh safety is really 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 great over there okay yeah that's one that people like to know about when they're going somewhere they don't know so yeah. um all right thank you matt i appreciate it thank you so, thank you so much all right sam So that was the interview with Matt. I hope you enjoyed it. In the beginning, we mentioned regionality, and it was in the uh, interview. Again, possibly a made-up word. The idea being the regionalness or the fact that men's volleyball is regional. Not everyone in the United States is familiar with the sport and opportunity of men's volleyball, wherein everybody knows, everybody in the United States at least knows about men's football, men's baseball, the fact that men play basketball or women's basketball. These are all opportunities that they're all familiar with. Men's volleyball is not one of those things where everyone in the country is familiar with it or at least even aware of it. So I did a quick search of the different Division I 
men's volleyball teams in the NCAA. And these are some of the, the, the top school rankings I got back was Long Beach State, Hawaii, Pepperdine, UC Santa Barbara. Uh, you get Lewis, Southern California, UC Irvine, UCLA. All of those have a very important distinction, and that's their location. Obviously, they're all on the West Coast, all of those. Now, that is not all of these. If you go up, keep going down, you'll get you'll get more West Coast, like Grand Canyon when we talked with Zach Melcher. You'll definitely get more on the West Coast, but you will get some that pop out that are not on the West Coast. You get Penn State, schools like uh, Harvard, NJIT. That's New Jersey Institute of Technology. We had a good interview. Side note, we had a great episode with Kai Howard, who played basketball at NJIT. That is episode 23. Most listened to episode. You can give that one a shot. Uh, anyway, keep going here. We have schools like George Mason. That's out in Virginia. You have, I thought I saw Ohio State in here somewhere. You have Ball State. The, the point is, not every school is West Coast, but the majority of them are. It, it's the regional or the regionality of the fact that certain areas are aware of these opportunities and some are not. I'll even point to the fact that even as he said, he was in high school getting recruited to play in college and he was not aware of the overseas opportunities. He was on the West Coast where men's volleyball has its most exposure in the United States, getting recruited to play in college. And even at that point, he's still not aware of playing volleyball overseas. We're not talking about somebody playing in an area that has absolutely no connection to men's volleyball. It we're talking about him playing in in the height of the US where men's volleyball is arguably its highest or most recognized. And even in high school, he's not aware of those opportunities. That's a that's a lot of where globally balling comes in and tries to do these things is because we realize that the awareness of many of these opportunities even in big areas, like Matt's example, the awareness is still very low for some situations. Or we find that sometimes the awareness is just incorrect. But uh, at least in Matt's situation and all the situations in which men play volleyball, the awareness is very low. So I, I just wanted to I wanted to point that out, kind of actually solidifying the fact that this, this is regional, but it's not exclusively West Coast. There are options in college across the United States but it is strong in the West Coast. But even when it's strong in the West Coast, still not all those opportunities after college are fully, athletes are not fully aware of all those opportunities. I also wanted to mention, point out, I know obviously we said, we noted in the beginning that this is another episode of Men's Czech Republic Volleyball. We, we have done one on this before. But I think what's really important in what Matt was talking about is that he was listing off some of his friends that have played in other countries. And you, again, you start to see this clear, these clear examples of how other opportunities for specifically in this case, men to play volleyball is scattered about the world. Now, specifically, I'm pretty sure thinking back on the interview, all of those were European countries. I can't remember completely, but that isn't to say those are the only options. That's just another way that we can see proof that these opportunities are all about. So if you're a man and you're interested in volleyball, know that those opportunities are out there. And in addition with that, talking about his girlfriend playing in in Germany and his friends in different parts of, I think, Europe specifically, and some of those places he had to go to play, play games or at least got to go see games, it adds to this whole community of volleyball, especially when you get into sports in Europe where those borders are a little bit softer. You start to easily travel through 
and play games in other countries and get to experience other cultures and travel to other places. He said his favorite place to go out was in Munich, in Germany. No doubt when he was out visiting his girlfriend playing volleyball. And so this whole thing kind of points to not only that there are so many opportunities out there for you to play, specifically men, but also we saw for women in this episode, but that travel and that those shared experiences from one country to another seems to be at least a very communal feeling. That's why Matt actually reached, reached out to us and said, uh, you know, I heard the episode with Zach. I'd love to share our story. And we chatted about his story and said, yeah, we want to hear yours as well. We think it's a great one. And so it's it's this community aspect I've noticed, and I've seen this with other, it, to be honest, I've seen it with almost all the other international sports that we've done. Like if we chat with somebody who played American football somewhere, other football players reach out to us and say, well, let me tell you about my experience, or I wanna connect with him so we can share experiences. It's this community aspect of you playing a sport that you love, and you see that a little bit when you hear Matt talk about Zach's story, and Matt saying he's going out to watch his girlfriend playing Germany while he's in the Czech Republic and he's talking about his friends that are playing in different parts of Europe and the fact that he gets to travel and watch some of these other games being played in Europe it it at least for me when I was listening to it illustrates the community aspect specifically in this case of playing volleyball overseas I don't know what you got from it I'd love to hear what you got from the episode that's one of my big takeaways so that being said, I appreciate the time. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Matt for the time and his story. I appreciate that very much. Stay healthy, stay safe, and you'll hear back from us again in a week. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you again for getting through another episode. We really appreciate it. I just want to quick redirect you to uh, where you can find us one more time to kind of close out this whole this whole episode. You can find us at facebook.com slash globallyballin, Twitter at globallyballin, Instagram at globallyballinofficial. The name was taken. And um, patreon.com slash globallyballin. Again, what you can find there is th- all of these episodes, music-free as well as ad-free and a bunch of other tiers that offer you a lot of other stuff. There is a ton of content available for you that you are not getting here that's out there on the Patreon page. So if you want to check that out, that would be great. And then, of course, again, if you like the show, we would really appreciate a rating and a review wherever you listen. I know I normally uh, suggest Apple Podcasts, but if there's a way, you know, if you listen to it somewhere else and there's a way to, to rate it, that would be great as well. But any of that is very, very very helpful and very much appreciated. It does take a lot of work putting these things together and uh, editing them up and making it all mesh together and getting our interviews lined up and all this. So it takes a lot, but we really believe in it and we encourage you if you believe in it too, doing one of those things to help us out would be fantastic. Uh, Otherwise, simply you listening to our episodes coming out is, is a huge blessing to us. So thank you very much for supporting the show, and um, you'll get an episode from us here in the coming days.